for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Jared Weiss, who covers the Boston Celtics for the Athletic, about the NBA Finals, which gets going tomorrow night. The Warriors advance to their sixth NBA Finals in the last eight years. A hell of a run for the Warrior Dynasty. Steph Curry wins the Western Conference Final MVP, the inaugural MVP award. They'll be opposed by the Boston Celtics, who head to their 22nd NBA Finals, the first time the Warriors and the Celtics will ever meet in the NBA Finals. And again, it all gets going tomorrow night in San Francisco at Chase Center. All things we can talk about with Jared Weiss, who joins me next. Today is Wednesday, June 1st. It's a pleasure to welcome to the podcast for the first time, Jared Weiss covers the Boston Celtics for The Athletic. Jared, what's going on, man? How are you? Oh, I am great. I just got off a long flight, about to get on another long flight. This is is what life is all about. Is this your first time covering the NBA Finals? Were you covering the Celtics the last time they went? No, no, I was still, I was still in high school. No, actually, I was in college when they uh, won, or when they were in the last time in lot. So this is my first time. I've covered many conference finals, first actual finals. I was in college too. I actually, I got my appendix removed the day of game one when the uh, the Celtics played the Lakers in the finals. And the first thing I remember waking up from the surgery was looking over at my best friend and said, who won game one? <laughs> I can't remember who won game one, but uh, we'll have a game one Thursday night, man. So tell me, after what was kind of a wild Eastern Conference final where it looked like, you know, I, I thought going in the Celtics were the better team anyway. I think a lot of people saw it that way. We just kind of overlooked the Miami Heat despite being the number one team in the Eastern Conference. But when you look at that series and it was kind of lopsided one way or another for several of the games really till we get into game seven, what did you learn about the Celtics in that series? What did you take away from that series? Nothing, because uh, I had them at seven, and it went pretty much exactly as I expected. <laughs> the only thing that was surprising was just that Miami managed to come back from the bed, and Jimmy Butler got some sort of knee transplant before game six, and that was, honestly, watching what Jimmy Butler did was one of the best things I've ever seen in my career, that's for sure. But I don't know. This is who they thought they were, man. Like, they're they're really versatile. They're so well-coached. They falter, and they just managed to pick themselves up just in time. Honestly, I think whoever wins the championship this year, it's going to be more like that Toronto year where it's like, this is a team we're going to remember is like, this is a very good team where the path was able to open up for them just well enough that they could win the championship. It's not like the Warriors of the past where they were like the best team I've seen in my lifetime, maybe, you know? So it's like both these teams are really, really, really good teams who are able to solve their problems better than other teams in the NBA. And they have players that have been like just good enough when the time is needed for them to win. They haven't gotten too many, like historic performances, like the opponents that they were facing had. These are just very deep, well-run, well-built teams. And the Celtics, I think, have just proven that over and over again, just like the Warriors have. Over the last couple of years, it does seem like there's more parity in the NBA. You mentioned when you were in college, we're probably pretty close to the same age. It feels to me like most of my life, you could look at basically every team in the NBA before the season started and kind of have an idea of who's going to win the title or which two teams are the most likely two to be there. And you mentioned that Warriors-Toronto year. Since then, it does seem like there's been a lot of parity. Obviously, we had a Bucks title. We had a, a controlled setting uh, Lakers championship in the bubble. We've had this year where it was kind of open-ended, where we didn't really know who was going to end up there. In terms of what kind of series you think this will be, and I do think these two teams match it pretty well, how do you see this series going? Is it a, a high-octane uh, offensive series? Is it a defensive sort of stalwart, knock-it-down, drag-it-out sort of match? What, what do you think this series holds? You know, just quickly to touch on something you just said, the parity thing, I really think that, honestly, the way that the CBA has been set up the last few rounds, like the league is built well for parity. It was that 
LeBron and Wade and Bosch decided to go to Miami. So that obviously threw it off for a while. And then the Warriors built this incredible team that, you know, that might have fallen off a little bit. And then the 2016 cap spike allowed them to get a KD. That's why they had that extra run there. So I think what's what's so exciting about this year's finals is that the Warriors are proven they weren't just like a, a great team that probably would have fallen off a little bit if they didn't get KD. Like Steph and Draymond and Clay are that good. And Steve Kerr is that good. And I forget what your question was. No, I was, I would, no, no, it's okay. Let's come back to that real quick because I, I'm with you. I do, and I think that sort of means like it's a good point about the CBA. I do think though that this this NBA Finals, while you know we may look at at one of these teams the way you're saying, we look back at Toronto and go, yeah, that was a really good team, but it wasn't a dominant team. I do think that this title could mean something different for both of these franchises, and that yeah, the Celtics have been what 22 times now, or it's their 22nd NBA Finals appearance, something like that. The Warriors six and eight. To the Warriors, this is an extending of that window, and opportunity to show we still have that championship sort of pedigree whereas the Celtics this could be the tipping off point this is sort of the tip of the iceberg for a team that we thought had a chance to get here maybe right after they got Kyrie Irving and then obviously things sort of went awry yeah I mean Celtics have major dynasty potential no question about it you know their two best players are in their early to mid-20s Marcus Smart is still in his late 20s he's like in his he's like entering his prime now we will see if his body holds up for that but like he's entering his prime Rob Williams and Grant Williams are key players are in their early 20s. Derek White is right in his prime, and he's finally proven to be like absolutely worth the trade that they made. So this is a huge window opening for the Celtics. And I guess what's good about the Warriors is that I don't think this is their last shot. It's not. like They're not that old. It's not like Andre Godala has been this instrumental part of their run, and he's going to fade away soon. Like Al Horford's 35, and like presumably he's only got a few years left before he starts to kind of like fade towards retirement. So... It does not feel like this is the ultimate shot for these teams. It feels like for the Warriors, this is just like their great chance to really bookend their dynasty and put themselves up there with the 90s Bulls and the 60s Celtics and the 50s Minneapolis Lakers. The, you know, or was it the 40s? I don't know. Nobody gives a <laughs> yeah. crap, right? So, um, <laughs> you know, it's like, I think the big thing is like the Warriors don't have to win this championship to, to make that point. I think this series is going to be like, it's going to go seven games. And Marcus Smart is going to take a three at the buzzer in game seven, and it's going to go in it or it's not going to go in. That's what's going to decide this. I think both these teams are going to prove that they're championship caliber teams. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that they both are. Uh, What I was asking before was about uh, what kind of series do you think this will be? Obviously, the Warriors for the first half of the season were one of, if not the best defensive team in in the, uh, the NBA. The Celtics clearly ended up being the best defensive team in the NBA. That's what makes them so dangerous is they've got offensive firepower and they can they can shut you down for big stretches of time and they can out rebound you. They can beat you in so many different ways. What kind of series do you anticipate this being and and how do you anticipate them trying to stop Steph Curry? What, What can they throw at him? I guess Marcus Smart would be the simple answer, but what do you anticipate? So I think what's really cool about this series is that it's going to be different than what we've seen in these previous series for these teams. So for the Celtics, they face the two most physical teams in the NBA in Milwaukee and uh, Miami. And those defenses were just incredible at either taking away the paint or gapping them where they would find ways to turn them over, pick them off in the lane, stuff like that. Warriors defense is different. It's more finesse. The Warriors are very similar to Miami in the way that they're built. But Miami is more rock solid, where Warriors are more finesse in skill and speed. And I think the Warriors are going to be good at turning Boston over like Miami was. And then obviously, as good as Miami's in transition, as good as Milwaukee is in transition, the Warriors, they get on a run and they have three three-point shooters facing the floor and they just knock you down with that kind of stuff. So with Boston, the attention to detail and not turning the ball over is still the crucial thing for them. And I think what's good is the Warriors are a more risky you know, turnover team. So Boston is probably going to be able to get out and run more than they were in previous series. But 
with these previous series for Boston, they had to sink in and load up against Giannis and Jimmy Butler, who were playing all-time great play. I mean, like those guys were playing at their absolute best pretty much in those two series. And Boston had to somehow withstand them without getting everybody to foul out. But Golden State's different. Like Golden State's about maintaining that pressure up on the perimeter and not letting those little gaps o- open up, which they didn't really have to worry about too much against uh, Milwaukee and Miami. So that's what's so tricky. Marcus Smart is going to be doing a ton of chasing on Seth Curry, but honestly, I think with his ankle injury, his ankle swollen, I think Derek White's going to be getting a ton of that responsibility. Derek White is incredible at it. He's one of the absolute best in the game at chasing over screens. He's, he's pretty close to the absolute best, honestly. We saw that in those last two series where this dude, he has this weird ability where he just like kind of like, he's kind of like a ballerina. He just like, when he's going over the screen, he like contorts his body to shape around the shape of the screen. Like he's like a jig, he's like a jigsaw puzzle piece in motion. It's incredible to right. watch. And he's the guy that's built to get over those trees that Clay and, and Steph always because you know what Clay and Steph do is they put their hands on the guy like they're a blocker, they shove him, and then they run over that screen. And Kevon Looney you know, right here on Green, they'll step up with that late moving screen. That's ever gonna get called because it's the NBA finals and they're gonna do it every time. And the Celtics are good at that too. Like Al Horford is really good at those kind of flaring elbow screens. Grant Williams is great to send a little shoulder check. You know, th- these guys are gonna be they're gonna be breaking every single rule of the NBA playbook basically throughout the series. That's gonna make it so fun. So, you know, the Celtics, I think, are the best equipped team in the NBA to, to deal with Steph Curry. They've shown that over the years because they've always had long switchable defenders, but now it's like the personnel is really designed for Steph. I think the concern is less about can they deal with Steph? They, we know where they can. We know Steph's going to score over them anyway. It's do they have to send so much at Steph and focus on him so much that Looney, Wiggins, Draymond are rolling free underneath and Rob Williams doesn't have the, the knee to be able to keep up with those guys. So that's how they expose Boston. You mentioned uh, how the Warriors were built sort of similarly uh, to the way Miami was built. I, I do think Boston's a completely different matchup than the Warriors have had at all uh, this postseason. They see uh, Nikola Jokic, and that was like Thanos versus the Avengers, right? And, and I think we all know <laughs> how that one plays out. The Avengers end up coming out on top. Then you've got John Morant goes down with the injury. Then Luka, who's maybe next to Kevin Durant, the best offensive weapon in the NBA going right now. I look at Boston, and I think the Warriors do such a good job at exploiting deficient defenders uh, on the other side and kind of going at one guy. Boston doesn't really have one of those guys where they can just go at him and attack him and kind of bully him. What is the Achilles heel or the weak spot for Boston, you think, defensively? I think right now, ironically, it's Rob Williams. Because Rob Williams is like what made... Like, if Rob Williams is healthy, I think the Celtics clearly are going to win the championship just because their defense is perfect. But he's not. His knee is not moving well. Emei Odokin this morning said that he's good and that the extra rest is going to help him. I know he just got a new knee brace fitted. He only played 14 minutes in Game 7. Maybe there's some, you know, there, there's some momentum towards him being different, but that dude is not moving the way he's supposed to be moving. And he's not capable of playing 30 minutes. Like, they want him out there for 30 minutes. And credit to Grant Williams, Grant Williams has been really good and made it so that they don't have to have Rob out there for that length of time because Grant's been good space on the floor. He's a smart defender. Honestly, Grant Williams is designed well for this series because Grant Williams struggles with guys that can jump over him. And the Warriors don't have a lot of that. Like, Wiggins is that one guy. Jordan Poole has a speed, but like Grant has the power to meet him in the air. I think if you just go piece by piece with their personnel, they match up well against the way that the Warriors want to operate. And it's really that like the Warriors, it's never really about the individual player. It's about does the whole thing move at that speed that nobody can keep up with. 
Yeah, it's going to be a, a unique series, certainly, uh, for, for both of these teams. Just because it'll be fun to see that defense against this Warriors, as you talk about the, the movement offense they have. Uh, maybe it is uh, Robert Williams, because you just mentioned him. Outside of Jalen Brown and uh, Jason Tatum, if you were going to go with those two, 1A and 1B, who's the most important part of the Celtics uh, roster, or, or who's the X factor for this series beyond those two guys? I mean, I guess you could say Smart, because like, Smart's obviously their third, their third guy. And it's been fun watching, uh, like, ESPN and all these game places pump up the big three of the Celtics and Marcus Smart, or, like, nobody was saying that for so long. Uh, but it, it is true. It, it is accurate. It, it's, it is accurate. I'll say him because of his ankle. His ankle's not right. You know, he rolled that thing bad under Kyle Lowry and swelled up like a balloon, or a cantaloupe is the word I was told. And he's been fighting through it. He's been fighting through every injury. Like, I asked him about this at Game 7. He listed off like five injuries that he has right now. It's insane. <laughs> He's like, my entire right side is just banged up. So like, it's just like his health. Like the dude, when he is healthy and he is in control offensively and his shot is good, is he's great. You know, he's a fringe all-star when he's playing like that. Right now, he's not there. And his shot is bad right now. And he's shooting. He's having these one for nine games from deep. And it's like, you can't beat the Warriors when you have a guy going one for nine from deep. Especially because Al Horford's also not shooting well right now. Grant Williams is up and down. Like the Celtics can't shoot twelve for forty from three and expect to beat the Warriors. They need guys like Smart to not be taking bad shots and for them to be comfortable when they're getting into them. Ime Udoka, you mentioned him just a couple of minutes ago. I just want to ask you about him on the way out. I, I thought, for me, he was my, uh, my my coach of the year in the NBA. He's done an incredible job, obviously. Uh, Steven steps away, and then uh, Udoka comes in, or Stevens, you know, moves up into the front office, and uh, uh, immediately they go to the NBA Finals. What can you say about uh, the job he's done this year and, uh, and getting them over the hump into the Finals this season? I wasn't ready to vote for him coach of the year in the regular season just because I thought there were a few guys that had the kind of start-to-finish campaigns that deserved it over him. But – Second half of the year, incredible. And in the playoffs, he's earned that. You know, if we gave these awards out after the playoffs, he's getting good for the year. I don't think there's much. I mean, yeah, maybe Steve Kerr, maybe Eric Spolcher, but I think it's Eme. Uh, he's just been so good in the playoffs. Like, his adjustments, the way he gets his team to bounce back, the way he messages publicly and privately. I mean, this guy is so good. It's just been incredible to see how he's found his voice and how he's been everything that this team wanted him to be. And it's a testament to the Celtics' ownership and the way that this team operates, they've only had a couple of coaches over the years. They've had a handful of coaches in my lifetime, basically, and or at least since this current ownership group took over 20 years ago, and they've nailed every single pick. Like, it's incredible how, like, Stevens was one of the best coaches in the game, and he ends up leaving, and they made, like, a kind of under-the-radar pick in Udoka, someone who I didn't have as, as one of, like, the shortlist guys coming into it, and he's been so good. It, it's incredible to watch, and you know, Steve Curry is going to test him in a way that he hasn't hit that. You know, I guess Eric Spolcher did test him to that degree for sure. But because Kerr is everybody healthy, like this is the big test where there's not going to be much for him to pick on. There's not going to be in lucky breaks like he had in his last two series. It, it, maybe there will, sure. Something could change. But Gary Payton's coming back, it looks like this series. So, you know, Golden State's at full strength. This is something that the Celtics haven't seen yet. But also, the Warriors really haven't seen anybody like the Celtics yet. So, I think Ime is ready for this challenge. I think the Celtics are ready for this challenge. The big question for me is, like, maybe Draymond's an extension of Steve Kerr out there, but Draymond's, like, his own coach out there, basically. And can he take away both sides of the floor, which he does against most teams? Boston's really good about stretching out their offense. And can he take away their kickouts? Can he make it so that when they're moving the ball, they're not really finding anything? Because that's when they slow down, and that's when they fall apart. 
It's going to be a lot of fun, man. You mentioned uh, two teams that haven't seen each other uh, in a setting like this. The first time uh, anybody's seen this matchup in the NBA Finals. Always fun when we get a new Finals matchup. But this was probably on the short list of some of the best matchups you could have entering the NBA playoffs. So, Jared, thanks so much, man. Uh, enjoy the flight out to San Francisco. Enjoy the Bay Area. And uh, maybe we'll catch up with you again later in the series, man. Thanks so much. Thank you, man. Great stuff from Jared Weiss. Great insight on the Boston Celtics. Always interesting uh, when you get to a, a championship round, Super Bowl or a Stanley Cup Finals or World Series or NBA Finals. It's a couple of teams that if they've seen each other throughout the season, probably hasn't been in a while and they're probably looking a whole lot different than they are right now. So going to be a fun matchup between the Warriors and the Celtics. And uh, we've joked about this in the past. Like when the San Francisco Giants won their first World Series in San Francisco, did it against the Texas Rangers. Would have been nice if it was like Yankees or Red Sox or some classic franchise. The, the Warriors go out and win their NBA title against the Cleveland Cavaliers. So it would be nice to uh, to get the Warriors a title against a legendary NBA franchise in the Boston Celtics. But it all gets going tomorrow night from Chase Center, game one of the 2022 NBA Finals. Thank you to Jared. Thank you to Brian Smith, my producer. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us. We'll keep bringing you the best stories in Bay Area sports. Lots to get to in the days and weeks ahead. Of course, the NBA Finals, which we just talked about. Also, baseball getting closer and closer to the third point, the one-third mark of the Major League Baseball season. We can talk about that. Maybe get into a little bit of what happened with Jock Peterson and Tommy Pham last weekend as well. All that to come in the days and weeks ahead. Until Friday, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you. See you then.